Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Killing FFM. <laughs> PFLP, Real Talk, Midwest. A methyl in the house. Yes. And this program is sponsored by PFLP Muscle. The number one drug sponsorship foundation in the whole world. Yes. And if you are a drug free athlete and maybe perhaps looking for a solid foundation to stand on and a vehicle to vroom vroom, drive your girls like what is Like a creme glacé. <laughs> <laughs> like a max drug to a creme glacé. <laughs> yeah, we will a little genetic. What I say, check us out at fairforfairmuscle.com. Uh, and now, Desiree, let us begin the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> we went from opera, <laughs> and this week we're in France. You know, we need a bodybuilder from France on the show. We need a natty from France. You guys have one? Send us your recommendations. We've uh, we've been to Australia. We're still trying to make our way around the world. France, I I'm, I have a feeling it would be fun. It would be fun. I so if anyone put, has a natty bodybuilder that they would love to hear from that is from France or at least is in France at the moment, let us know. Let us know. We want to try and get him on the show. Isn't that right, O'Kelly? Is this? Is quite correct, the best <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, what did you guys think of Kellen's opera last week? I want to know. Oh, Please do share. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, they were like, "What is going on?" I think it, it was—it's the word to the the monologue for the beginning of the show for everyone that's been asking. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, you can't find it as an opera song, okay? That would be a really bad opera song. It's the words to the show. <laughs> oh my! God. And there you go, and there you have it. So I don't know what the weather is like where each of you is at, but we had snow again today in Des Moines, and uh, my mother in Sioux City had like inches upon inches upon inches of snow. She actually had to get out her snow blower. We didn't have to do any such craziness because our snow basically melted, but my goodness. Mother Nature, cut us a break. (laughs) When she has a heart, I'm sure she'll do better. And speaking of hearts, Desiree, (laughs) Uh-oh. What? Uh-oh. I I don't know. That cackle has got me a little afraid, but go on. Let's hear it. (laughs) What you got? Huh? You got to get the heart. We have a very good guest who has a heart. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Kellen, lay it on us. Who do we have on the show tonight? Oh, my goodness. I mean, he's one of the apostles. This guy has been, like, even back in the Old Testament, he's found a way. 
I'm just making a play on his name because I think he's got two great <laughs> names. <laughs> and he's just done an excellent job. I mean, I, I like to relive this testimony because it's the honest to God truth. When I was introduced to bodybuilding, I was introduced to the side that was just something that wasn't appealing to me or anything I wanted to even be involved with. And I was actually ashamed to be in the venue. And then I was told about natural bodybuilding, and the first show I was able to go to that was about natural bodybuilders, I mean truly, truly about natural bodybuilders, was John Abraham's show. And I was just so blown away. It was night and day, literally night and day, as to how the, the competitors were treated, you know, I'd never been to any sport where people were herded like cattle and basically forgotten by the time, not not even after before the show was completed. If they were done on stage and they were just forgotten entities, and I was just so blown away that John was just doing just the opposite, where everyone mattered. I mean, there was food backstage, and I'd never seen that before at all. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have and, and enjoy yourselves and make this moment last because you've worked so hard for it. I mean, it was just so much encouragement, so much positive energy, and so much reinforced uh, positive culture that I was just in love with it then. And I said, you know, there's got to be something I can do to help out in this matter so other people can know what I'm learning right now. And I was just, you know, I wanted that to be successful. I wanted it to be so well. And then I met uh, Andy and he was just such a nice guy and, and, and basically reinforcing everything that was already going on. That is what natural bodybuilding was about, and I wanted the whole world to know what I was just learning. And I'm sure it's been going on for years and years, but it was the first time I had a chance. I was just blown away by that. And I'm going to introduce this man because I, I, I consider him a, a genuine individual, a very heartfelt individual, and he's got the perfect name for a show. So, John, can you please? Introduce yourself and then relay who Andy is in case our listeners are wondering. So my name is John Abraham, and I am the promoter of the Heart of America Natural Classic in Peoria, actually East Peoria, Illinois, coming up uh, May 5th this year, which will be the 21st year of the show and my 14th year promoting and when you refer to Andy, Andy is, is definitely the godfather of bodybuilding. It's Andy Bacinto, yes, is. who is the president of the National Gym Association, um, which is the oldest drug-free organization in the nation. And without Andy's leadership and, and guidance and the direction that he's taken us, especially the growth that we've experienced the last few years, it it just wouldn't be possible. It's He's doing an amazing job. And, you know, Andy's getting on in years, and you, you would never know it by looking at him, but and you'd never know it by talking to him or seeing him because he's he's just a mental and physical specimen and uh, just a true champion of, of natural bodybuilding. Wow. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And I cannot believe that you just shared Heart of America has been going for 21 years, 14 years under your leadership. That is absolutely amazing to me. Um I, you know, I would really just love to hear what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in this show over that time? You know, gosh, the the very first year we had it, um, and actually, you know, I think it's more than 21 years. It was 1995, so we're actually at 23 years. And it was funny because Jerry Thomas was a promoter and uh, just a local guy who owned a fitness 
training studio, but never competed himself, but had a passion for trying to help drug-free athletes find a, a venue to compete in. And Jerry actually contacted the National Gym Association and decided that he wanted to put on a drug-free show in, in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, Jerry reached out to me. I was competing at the time, having some success on the natural circuit, and told me that he wanted me to come help him and, and be a judge at his show. And uh, I jumped at the opportunity. I was competing in some other organizations that were not drug-tested, or if they were drug-tested, they weren't really drug-tested. And so yeah, when Jerry told me that exactly. the NBA was yeah, seven years drug-free and that everybody was going to be polygraphed and there would be some urine testing, I was so excited to become a part of it. And, and I started out judging for Jerry, and, and we only had 14 competitors the first year. I remember coming from Chicago shows where there were 150 competitors and then having our first show in Peoria, and we had 14, and I was – a little bit embarrassed and a little bit apologetic to the 14 people who showed up that the show was so small. We still pulled in probably 200 people that night at the night show, and Russ Testo came and was our guest poser. And really from that point on, it became more about uh, quality than quantity, but yet the numbers began to grow a little bit every year. And Jerry passed away in 2005 when I then took over, and 2004, and then uh, I got to put a little of my own flavor a little bit more into it once Jerry uh, unfortunately passed away. He he pretty much had told me if anything ever happened to him that it, it would become my show, and I, I like that because Jerry took a lot of my ideas and, and let me incorporate them into the show, but then he let, when once Jerry was gone, it was kind of my baby to, to do what I wanted, and I knew the passion that I had for making it a terrific, fun, athlete-friendly weekend for the competitors, and that's that's really what I've tried to do. Awesome. You know, and I just, it is always so great to know what the background is when you have something that is so rich in history and has been continuing on for several years, and, you know, definitely not a fly-by-night uh, organization or effort. Um, we have some questions already rolling in. Um, the first two are from Linda, um, she wants to know what made you consider having a pro am show when so many have been doing just amateur shows. You know, I felt like there once again at the time was not a lot of opportunities for natural pros to to go on the circuit and, and make some money and really reap the benefits of their hard work. And so I felt like, gosh, you know, we, we've done such a good job with the amateur level and then also moving people up into the pro ranks. So once, you know, people who got their pro card at my show, but then had very limited choices as to where they could go compete as a pro. Now, it's much different now, especially in the NGA. There are so many options for the pros to compete in. But I just felt like I didn't want somebody to win a pro card at my show and then not be able to come back and compete as a pro. So I decided we would we would put pro classes in it. And, you know, it's, as a promoter, it's expensive to, to have the pros. You know, you want to pay them well. Uh, we can't pay like an IFBB show does. We're not that type of an organization. But you still want them to be compensated so that when they win it, it's at least paying for more than just what they spent on supplements the, the month before. And uh, so I've tried to make it, you know, the, the more pros that we get, the, the better the cash purse becomes. But to make it a decent amount of money so that they feel like, they're rewarded for all their hard work and, and that they're able to earn some money. Um, I'm sure most of them, it, it's not their full-time career, 
but to supplement their income and, and compete on the circuit as a pro was I felt it was important for them to have a, a good quality show to also compete in. Well, and, and I'm going to jump in on this one, John, because I, you, you're so humble. I, I think you refuse to uh, admit just how deep that well goes with you. Because I remember sitting down at the breakfast, and you didn't know me from from nothing, but I, it was just a legitimate question I had because I've been to so many amateur shows. Every time somebody won a pro card, my friend, next question was always, well, well, now what? Because, you know, I was thinking as an athlete, you know, you you play to win the game, you you play to do the sport, you play because you love it. But if you become a pro, it's basically, well, where do you go after that? If we're doing all these amateur shows that I'm going to and not seeing anybody on stage that's a pro, other than maybe a guest poser, you know, how do you address being a pro if you never have a chance to compete as one? And so when when I got, like I said, when I got to the Heart of America, everything was so different. Because, I mean, you treated the amateurs better than I'd seen the pros treated at, at other places. So, you know, there's gotta, it's got to come from something. That drive comes from within. When you feel that way, what keeps you so passionate to make sure the sport grows because you're willing to take care of everyone that's involved in it? You know, my my nature, just kind of the way I grew up was, pretty caring and uh, kind of always rooted for the underdog, wanted to help everybody uh, climb the ladder of success. I I always said if you surround yourself with successful people, you become one. And so I, I just had a deep – I really like people, and I love to watch people change their lives and grow and become successful and achieve, you know, all their goals that they attained. And so it really just comes for – caring deeply about the well-being of people and i it just it's so rewarding to watch people succeed in this sport whether they win first place win a pro card or not but i think that's what kind of keeps it going is i i love the i love to make them feel special i love to let them know how much we appreciate the hard work that they put in and that for that weekend they're the star they are they are a star and, and to treat them that way. And it's just it's just kind of been in my nature the way that I grew up in kind of a caring environment. Um, the, I'm Lebanese and Italian background, so we it's a family-type upbringing, and everybody takes care of each other. And I just that kind of carries over into every aspect of life. Awesome, awesome. And our next question, I think you've already kind of touched on it, but, you know, I, I feel like there's probably more to the story than what you just shared. So uh, Bill is asking, 21 years is a long time. Have you ever felt the pressure to step away or give up? <laughs> Definitely. There's been there's been a few times where I literally probably lost five or $7,000 in on the show, and it's a lot of work. And so there were times that I thought, gosh, do I, do I want to put this much work in? And I'm not in it to make the money. That's, it's not. Most of the promoters will tell you we don't make money on these shows or very little. And if you're in it just to make money, then you're, you're in it for the wrong reasons. And, exactly. and so I, um, yeah, there were times when, you know, I had some pretty big names come to the heart of America. Not, not always people maybe that were known for being drug-free, but – I, uh, I brought Lee Haney in one year, and, and whether he was drug-free or not, it didn't really matter. He was a, a huge draw, and I, uh, 
I knew that he's such a likable guy and he's so personable. And I thought, you know, this is a way for me to attract some people from other organizations who have not heard of the NGA or ever been to one of our shows to see how much fun it is. As, as a matter of fact, to this day, Lee Haney says the Heart of America was one of the best organized and most fun shows he's ever been to in the world. And of course, he's me, traveled, you know, eight time Mr. Olympia. And um, so there's been times that I'm exhausted and I like, boy, is this really worth it? And then the competitors will call me and email me after the show and tell me how much they loved it and please don't stop and I can't wait to come back next year. And then that that's all I need to get the, the spark lit again and, and get going. But, yeah, there's there's been a few times that even in the last couple of years where I thought, man, I don't know if I've got it in me, but it's too hard to end a 20, 21-, 22-year run and, and just stop it. Most shows have – many shows have come and gone over those 22 years, and yet we, it, there's something nice about yep. sustaining long-term. For sure, for sure. And uh, Bill's follow-up question is, he wants to know if you've ever competed and um, if you have stood on stage with, uh, with enhanced athletes. I, I competed a lot, mostly in the early to mid-90s, and my early experience was in non-tested shows. And I can remember some shows where there were 20 and 30 people in my class in Chicago. Whoa. And pretty mm-hmm. difficult to stand. Yeah, pretty difficult to stand out when there's that many people in a class and and some of them are not not natural. And so I have competed. I I had success more so on the natural circuit. Uh back then there was the uh the ANBC, the American Natural Bodybuilding Conference. Uh, before, at that time, I didn't know much about the um, the NGA, so had some success. I I won several lightweight classes. Uh, I never captured an overall. It seemed like back then everybody went for the heavyweight or the bigger guy, and I competed as a lightweight. But I used my experience as a competitor to know what the athletes expected as a promoter. So that's probably the best thing that came out of it. Awesome. Next question is from Jake, and we're kind of stepping back to um, our previous question about how you keep uh, your fire lit and if you've ever felt like stepping away. And he is asking if some of the competing people that have complained added to your desire to step away. You know, probably the only time that that I've gotten frustrated is when somebody will call me up a day or two after the show and literally just let me have it about how they or their their gym partner or family member placed. And first of all, I have to remind them I'm not a judge, and I respect my judges, but the decision of how people place is, is not mine. And I um, I have a good panel of qualified judges, and I and I trust their opinion. I've disagreed with them at times. You know, I like to I sit at the judges table and I in my mind I I do my own scoring. And there's been a few times that I've thought, "Boy, I I just don't agree with with my judges, but that's kind of why mm-hmm. it's an art, you know, not necessarily a science." And uh but that's a little bit hard to take when when you've put so much time and effort, put a lot of work in, tried to make it really special for everybody. And, and and didn't make any money on the show. You know, you, you lost money, ended up writing a check to, to run the event, and then someone calls and really just lets you have it about the how they are unhappy and disappointed with the show because of the way their athlete placed. 
And that's why I always tell the athletes at the competitors meeting, you know what, don't listen to your friends and don't listen to your family members. Get something to eat. Get some carbs back in you. Take a couple days to let it soak in. Maybe look at the pictures and the video, and usually the judges Mm -hmm. get it pretty right. And so before you lash out, you know, maybe take a little bit of time to to come off the state, you know, off your high from the show and get a little bit of food in you and rest a couple of days and then maybe pick an honest evaluation of, did you place pretty close to where you probably should have? Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm going to jump in on this one because I, I can think back to when I was backstage at the Heart of America, and um, there was this lady that was just lights out backstage. I mean, she was just had a phenomenal physique. I can't remember her name, but I know it was the year she was going up against Alex Ellis. And yes. her posing was atrocious. I mean, it was just got all mm. she got on. She just disappeared, and Alex was being Alex, and she dominated that stage with her stage presence, and I was just so frustrated, but her family was like, oh, you got this, and you got this, and I was livid backstage. I remember you had to come and calm me down, because I was getting a little <laughs> too vocal. Yeah, I got a little bit too vocal, because I said, you, you're you're making this woman, you, you're killing her dream, because you're not, nobody had corrected her pose, and nobody was saying anything, and this was her camp, you know, they didn't want her saying anything, and, you know, you said don't don't go coaching people from, from the side stage because it messes with the, the head judge and Wade's call, which is respectful. And I, you just, it hurt my heart because I know if she didn't get second, I mean, if she didn't win, she wasn't going to get second place because her posing was that bad that it was almost kicking her out of the top five. So the judges were being yeah. really cordial with the placement that she got simply because she had been that great a look and, you know, had that kind of physique. But her posing was just god-awful. I mean, I, 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 I was... I remember. Yeah. They were trying to push that, that she should have won. And I'm thinking, on on what what merit could she possibly win when you, ha- you, you are one of the few people that does do seminars, you do show posing before... Uh, the the show starts at, at the at the pre judging so I I just didn't understand how they had missed it so bad where they thought her her posing where she basically vanished on stage and basically, I I I don't know if she finished sixth or fifth but I know she should have placed higher if she had done her posing correctly yeah so you know you, yeah. you do a lot and but also you have to take a lot because I'm sure they were sending you all kinds of bad messages because <laughs> you screwed up and I'm thinking yeah. that's pretty significant too. Definitely. Uh, uh, don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll move on. We're going to move on to this year, to the 2018 Heart of America. So let's just uh, just kind of walk us through, John. What can we expect from the show this year? Well, I, I'm really, I've really gotten the passion back and the fire in the belly, and I've been working really hard, and I've learned – a little bit from some of the other promoters, Jonathan Agin and Peoria, and they really use social media um, really well to promote their shows, and I hadn't done that in the past. And so I've made a big deal about every time somebody registers to compete to make sure it's announced on social media and to compliment the athlete that signed up and to uh, make a big deal about that they've, they've entered the show. And I did something a little fun this year. I, um, I am fortunate to own a really neat condo um, on Sanibel Island, Florida, actually literally right on the ocean. It's a ground floor, three-bedroom, two-bath condo. Say what? 
Roll that back. Roll that back. Um, So I I own a condo on Sanibel Island, Florida, and it's literally about 100 feet from the ocean. And three-bedroom, two-bath. So what I decided to do this year was any competitor who registered by March 1st, their name would go into a drawing, and I'll give them my condo for four days and three nights to just get away and relax on the the beach. And part of that was to reward the athlete for their hard work and the other part has been because it helps as a promoter to get people to commit early because, boy, when you're, when you're a week before the show and you still don't know how many you're going to have in each class, you can either overbuy your trophies or, or way underbuy your awards. And so just getting – I thought, well, you know what, if I can get people to commit early, it's going to just help me as a promoter and, and make it a little bit enticing for them as well. So entry forms are really rolling in. I'm, I'm really pleased uh, – Boy, the bikini classes are going to be stacked. That I can tell that from the entry forms. But now some figure and men's physique are starting to roll in. A uh, little bit concerned in, in our sport in general as it seems like men's bodybuilding has not, you know, it seems to have shifted to physique, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I, I, I miss the old school bodybuilding, and classic physique, of course, will help bring some of that back. But uh, really pleased with the, the figure. The, I've got some figure pros. I think I have three already. And um, just the amount of bikini competitors, which is, you know, that, and then some quality people that are signing up. So really excited about that. Uh, the ticket sales are already going strong. I'd, I'd love to hit 80 to 100 competitors. My show typically runs in that 60 to 80 range. Uh, my numbers were down a little bit last year, but most of the promoters were, I think, because there are so many natural shows now. So I'm pushing hard. Uh, it's not about just quantity. It's certainly about quality, but it's nice to have a – a big full stage and lots of classes. It's more pro cards I can give away, and that brings more people in the audience, which makes it fun for everyone. Yeah, yeah without a um, doubt. And I've seen a – oh, go ahead, Kalen. Yeah, I'm going to uh, – this one's from Sheldon, and he's a little, he's a little frustrated about uh, the bodybuilding part, so I hope that I do his, his – uh, it's kind of a comment, not, not more like a question. But he's okay. talking about uh, something that's been going on with uh, with bodybuilding and how it's not really put in the death rows. And I, I hope people don't think that bodybuilding is going anywhere. There's still plenty of bodybuilders out there. But one of the things he's talking about is the reluctance from bodybuilders competing in bodybuilding because they're losing to so much smaller, I think he means leaner, uh, competitors. you want to talk about that, John? You know, I, I think, yeah, you know, it it's transitioned a little bit, you know, and uh, the for a long time we all had to battle, you know, the 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 mass and the size is what was winning, and it has shifted a little bit. I think the more aesthetic, leaner type physique tends to be a little bit more pleasing to the judges. And, of course, conditioning, and conditioning mm-hmm. is such a big deal now. And yeah. so it does make it, you know, I think, you know, there are people that probably belong in physique that that end up competing in bodybuilding, and there's definitely some bodybuilders that could probably do much better in physique. But I understand what Sheldon's saying, and yeah, it does. It seems to be a there seems to be a little bit of a shift, not only in the NGA, but I but I think everywhere we try to still balance it out where symmetry, muscularity, definition, conditioning, posing all all equals out into your score. Mm-hmm. 
And that's one of the things that, like I said, you covered at your seminars and you've also covered before the, the, the judging starts about those things. And you do give people a chance to ask questions. And what um, I'm sad about is that the people have questions, <laughs> but because they're afraid of looking stupid, they don't want to ask it. And I'm thinking I would rather look stupid before the show starts than look yeah. stupid after the scoring because, you know, it's great to get the feedback after the show has started or, you know, at the after party that you do so well. It, it, it's it got to hurt as a promoter when you see people that could place better but simply aren't uh, because they're not, you know, where they want to be. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, this year, it's the heart of America. And for me, it's always a special place in my heart. Dez is going to be there, and she's going to be whooping it up for everybody. But you've got a lot of things lined up for this year that uh, have me a little jealous of Desiree right now. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so That's right. you probably you probably seen. Yeah, I was actually uh, sitting in my office at work, and we have a TV out in the lobby, and the receptionist came running back and said, "John, John." come out here and look at this woman on TV. And uh, I hadn't heard of Ernestine Shepard, and the Steve Harvey show was on, and Ernestine was on, and uh, I mean, I immediately fell in love with her. How could you not? And she was she was doing planks, and she was she had a really cool outfit on, and I think she had pink pump shoes on, and she was, uh, I started to sit there and, and take in a little bit of her story. And, uh, of course, as a promoter, the light bulb went off, and I said, oh, my gosh. I need to bring her to Peoria because it's really so hard to find somebody to bring. You know, first of all, if you're running a natural show, it's hard to find a natural good guest poser. And then who's going to be somebody that's going to help you draw more people to come attend? And so I was blown away with Ernestine, and I heard her story. And she talked about she never started training until she was 71 years old. She didn't like the way she looked at a bikini. Uh, Her and her sister joined the gym together. Her, Her sister ended up passing away and asked her to continue on and, and carry on the dream of competing. And, you know, she she carried on and became the world's Guinness Book of World Record holder, oldest female bodybuilder, uh, gets up every morning at 3 in the morning and runs 10 miles. Uh, she's 82 years old, uh, goes to the gym, does her devotions, goes to the gym and trains a couple hours and then trains clients. So I, I'm not one to shy away from reaching out to people. So I got on the phone and I Googled her and found her manager's number. And so, and it was kind of, I had to sell him on it. He, you know, she's got a pretty booked schedule, but if I want something, I'm pretty passionate. I go after it. And I really told him about why, why I thought Ernestine would be such a hit at the heart of America. And I really wanted her there and it's it's kind of expensive, but I, uh, you know, she brings a a partner with her a manager and, you know, but, oh my gosh, she's going to be so worth it. And she's, I'm so excited. She's, you know, she's been on Steve Harvey. She's been on Oprah Winfrey. She's been on Good Morning America. I have so many people calling USA me that today. want to come to the show. Yes, and people that have never been to a bodybuilding show that are, are coming out to meet Ernestine and get their picture taken with her. So, so glad I did it. I, I have no regrets in bringing her no matter what happens, whether I make money, lose money, it doesn't really matter. She's gonna, It's going to be so fun, and she's so cute, and her personality is just dynamite. And what a great inspiration for people to come out and, and get a chance to meet her. 82 years old. She'll be 82 by the time. I know. I know. I know that. I mean, it, I mean I've mean, i been following her story for probably two or three years now, and I am always amazed any time I see 
her continue to carry on with what she's doing at 82. I think she's got more energy than half of us who are, are half her age. But uh, I am yeah. super excited to um, to Stop be able it. to be there and uh, check her out. Uh-huh. I am. I am. Yeah, but, gonna, you know, so, all right, guys, so you've heard Kaylin and I. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. I, I plan on it. But, Kaylin, I know you're going to have a lot of fun, too. Um, and you, as you guys well know, for our regulars who pretty much join us every Tuesday and Thursday, every week, so there are a lot of shows happening on May 5th. And we're none too pleased about that because there's a lot of great shows. And so we're only two people, um, and we're generally together when we cover shows, but not this time around. So Kaylin's going to be holding it down at Joe Perez's Chi-Town Showdown, and I'm going to be hanging out with Ernestine and John. And, uh, you know, Joe, love you to death, but uh, I think I've got the better shtick this time. (laughs) I just might. I just might. I don't know. But this will probably be the year that Kaylin comes home with the sword and I wasn't there to see it, which would be kind <laughs> right. of a bummer. I'll be super excited for him, but it'll be kind of a bummer. But um, right. anyway, so, yeah, so excited, so excited. I hope, I, I mean, I don't know what arrangements you've got made, but hopefully uh, maybe Ernestine will give uh, Midwest Muscle five minutes to get a short little oh, uh, yeah, clip with her. Absolutely. I'm sure she will. So that will be awesome. So super pumped for that. Um, question, though, regarding your show, you you typically have a standard guest poser, and Linda is wondering what's, what's going on with that. What happened to him? Uh, Russ Testo? Would that... yes, yes, and we're talking about Russ Testo. You know what? Still an still a incredible draw at shows. I think we've had him has to be seven or eight times at least yep. in the, over the 20, 21, 22 years. Guy yep. still looks amazing. We still keep in touch. I, uh, I had to be a little bit careful by bringing the same person back over and over again. I didn't want it to get a little bit mundane where people said, oh, why are you bringing him back again? It was difficult because he, he is really truly natural, and he's one of the best posers ever. So it, yes. and he's so entertaining. And, uh, you know, there may be a time that we bring him back again. I took a little break um, the last couple of years from him just to try to mix it up a little bit with the audience and, and not, not overexpose them to the same guest poser over and over again. All right, gotcha. So, Linda, I hope that answers your question. I'm sure she'll, uh, she'll be keeping an eye on your show for when he does come back because it sounds like she's been an avid fan, keeping track, keeping track uh, of what's been going on. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. A um, couple more questions. Clark wants to know if the number of bikini competitors that you've uh, that you've got signed up for the show that you're anticipating will sign up for the show. Do you plan to uh, split them on stage to make sure that um, they they get a fair look by all the judges, or how do you plan to handle such large numbers in a class? We will definitely, yeah. My head judge, Earl Snyder, who was also a pro-natural Mr. Universe, Earl the Pearl, uh, does such a good job in making sure that everybody gets their time on stage. And we will, you know, you almost can't look at more than about seven people at a time and give them a fair look, probably at the most. 
so we'll move them around. We'll um, have some of them off to the side or back and then bring them up in, in groups, normally in that five to seven range, to make sure that everybody gets a, a good look at from each angle, from each judge. Certainly where you're placed and where you're standing can make a difference so that everybody gets moved to the middle, everybody gets moved out to the outside, that the lighting is is it, it the best for everybody at every position. But, yeah, we'll make sure that uh, we'll break them up and move them around and, and usually keep it in about the five to seven uh, on stage at the same time, at least being compared. Okay, very nice. And actually, uh, Sam and Clark both have the same question there. So folks are wondering, you know, placement on stage and um, being able to manage the numbers is really becoming an area that the fans of bodybuilding, natural bodybuilding, are becoming aware of. And they're starting to pay closer attention to stage time and how well athletes are getting looked at by the judges and, you know, if they really are truly getting a fair shake and getting moved around um, enough. So I'm glad to see questions like that uh, coming in. Um, Let's see. And next question is about the transformation class. John is wondering if you're going to be offering that. And when you answer that question, why don't you go ahead and give us the full lineup of the classes that are going to be available at your show? So, yes, we are having transformation, which is really, really near and dear uh, to so many of our hearts. That is, there's no entry fee. It doesn't cost anything to, to get into a transformation class. And we'll typically show a before and after picture. Well, we'll show the before picture on the screen and then have the competitor come out live to show what they look like today. Uh, it is not necessarily just body transformation. So it can be life transformation from physical to emotional to spiritual. Everybody has a journey and a story to tell. And so... We want that those people now. Obviously, somebody with a tremendous amount of weight loss catches a lot of attention, especially when you see a before and after picture. But I've also had people in the transformation class who who came out of an abusive relationship where they literally just felt absolutely horrible about themselves, and and they were haggard and tired and and beat down looking, and and then they come out glowing and healthy and fit, and that's a transformation. And so it isn't necessarily just about weight loss. It's really about transforming your life. And so transformation class is, is always fun. I already have a few people that have committed to that class, and there's an award that goes with it. And we'll read a little bio and tell their story um, while they're standing on stage. And then I have all the, you know, we also have Bikini Model, which is, is kind of new, a little bit newer to the NGA. I, I believe it was started in Florida by um, a promoter there with the NGA, and that kind of your Victoria's Secret bikini model costume type class. Most of the girls who do bikini model have also competed in the bikini open uh, or bikini class, and uh, they have the feathers and the costumes. Uh, really kind of makes it interesting and fun, something a little bit different for the audience. I've got um, all your your bikini figure, men's physique, women's physique, classic physique, as well as uh, bodybuilding, all the bodybuilding classes, master's classes, and then we've got um, pro classes this year, pro bodybuilding, pro figure, and pro pro bikini. So hopefully the whole menu. Wow. All right. That sounds like like an awesome lineup. Yeah. um, The one thing I'd like to talk about with the transformations is, you know, I got to see that for the first time at your show, John, which was the Heart of America. And – I mean, the strength 
of these athletes mentally, because I was almost in tears when you were just reading the bios, just floored by that, you know, just where they have to, where they started and where they get to. Because people think, you know, they think aesthetics. I'm talking about the mental things that these people have have had to deal with is just heartbreaking. And the fact that they didn't want to take their own life but actually make their lives better is just so remarkable. And and I was just blown away by that. And then that when Dez and I went to Pennsylvania and got to see it in uh in Earl's Earl and uh, Terry's show, Earl Snyder and Terry Wetzel, it it's just amazing. I mean, it's truly amazing to see I mean, we get to see the visual of it. But the mental yes. aspect is what really it just blows me away with that. So you know, I, I really appreciate you guys bringing that on because I think it actually is more of a success than the actual aesthetic change of of, of yes. appearance with the mental, you know, basically uh, upbringing of what they're doing. Agree, agree. Yes, and. You know, and I'm I'm gonna just take a step back to Roland Terry's show that Kaylin just referenced, and the winner of their transformation category it was a it was a roommate best friend duo. Both had uh, basically overcome drug addiction. One was competing in physique, and the other in bodybuilding, and they have the most phenomenal following and are still. Um, motivating people and um, being inspirational to a lot of folks around them. And that's a big part of the transformation category, too. I mean, we think about the athletes and how their journey is motivational to folks. But in that category specifically, because there are so many ways to overcome and, and be transformed, that they really do shape or influence um, the lives of a lot of people who are watching them, you know, because it takes a lot to get up on a stage, period, but then to be on stage because you overcome something very significant in your life. So I just, it's, I love that category. I'm glad that it's there and that the NGA continues to, um, you know, incorporate it and spread it throughout the organization that you're seeing it pop up in more and more shows. Yeah, well, I agree. Before we move on, before we move on with this, um, there's something I would like to add because that this was uh, one of John's ladies that was at the show where she had gone through the mental and physical abuse of a of a uh, an abusive spouse, and yeah. just that it was so many years of her trying to get out of that situation and no one listening, and I mean you figure if you're reaching out and people aren't helping and just trying to find a way to keep your sanity, I was just so floored by that. And even in those, you know, throes of basically just no outreach, no support, and nothing, she still had the gym, she still had the fitness, and then the support came with that. So, you know, people, you don't know someone's story until you know their story, and that transformation class really brings that home in the best way possible. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, it, it's just, it's one of those where you don't know until you know. And I'm telling you, if you go to the Heart of America and you get a chance to, to hear the stories in that class, don't go out for popcorn or <laughs> sit around and listen to what a struggle really is. That's- Amen to that. 
Um, moving us on to our next question from Sheila. John, as a promoter, how hard is it to watch the lineup and see someone that's not presenting their best? It's, it's just actually almost heartbreaking because no matter how good you may look, you have to know how to present it and show it. And if you don't, as Kaylin referenced to a, one of our pro figure shows a few years back, it can just take the wind out of the sail. Yeah. I mean, it's just somebody who you're like, oh, my gosh, if you just knew how to show what you've worked so hard for, that yeah. it could make such a big difference. And you don't know if they just didn't get proper coaching or proper training or never really got the the right instruction on how to present themselves and that's a toughie because you've seen many competitors who, had they have known how to pose properly and and to showcase their strengths and hide their weaknesses, they uh, they probably would have done a lot better. That that's tough. I sit there and just I hurt for them when I know yeah. that they've got so much potential and they look so good, and then it it kind of got uh, blown away in the fact that they just didn't know how to pose and present themselves properly. It is. It's yeah. a tough one. Um, and, Kaylin, you've been sharing a lot about that. Um, what, I mean, how do you reach out to those individuals? I mean, A, you have to give them time to probably get past their feelings because they're so confident on their physique. But um, sometimes you just cannot get someone to accept that their posing is hurting them. And this also reminds me of a physique competitor at uh, the East Coast show that we were at, Kaylin, and uh, you and I both tried to talk to him. I realize it's show day. you got a lot going through your head, but his back pose was just so terrible, so terrible. <laughs> and I, if you remember, it was so pinched, and it was a booty pop that should not have popped that way. And, uh, you know, we even took pictures, tried to share that, and it, it just... I mean, I think it just went in one ear and out the other because he continued to do the exact same pose, and he ended up not placing very well, and he did have a very nice physique. Yes. Um, I, 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 I know exactly the guy you're talking about, and I know exactly the situation. And one of the things, like I said, I was – John had to basically chastise me at his show <laughs> – because I, I was very frustrated because I know the work that John puts in. And like he said, he's the promoter. He's not a judge. He wants the best person to win more than anybody else in the building. And so I'm always shocked when they first, their first place doesn't win first place because they didn't do their job to be first place, and they blame the promoter. Oh, he's out to get me. And I'm thinking this is the very last person that can do anything to change the situation because he does trust the judges and he puts it in their hands because I've seen where he says, you know, I think that person might have done better, but, hey, maybe I'm not seeing what they're seeing. He's He's been very open about that. He's always been very um, honest about it. And sometimes he'll ask after the show's done, hey, what did you see that I didn't see? And, yeah. you know, that's the, that's the sign of a great person wanting to know why this person didn't get the position I thought they should have. Because if I had been sitting in the judge's seat, maybe I would have scored it differently. But when you see the person, I I can actually empathize with what John's going through. So that's why I rush to the people 
and try to say while the judging is still happening, hey, fix this. If they don't want to listen to it and they would rather listen to the person that's basically ensuring they won't win, you don't have any say in that. But I would rather speak now and forever hold my peace afterwards than to not say anything and basically catch them at the judge's table at the after party because then it's too late. I mean, you basically either you don't want to come back or you're, you're angry at the promoter or you're, you're holding some kind of grudge, like why is this person better than me? And we could explain it hand over fist that you're not <clears throat> as bad as you think, but you shouldn't have gotten the score that you think you should have because that's a hard pill to swallow on a low-carb day, especially if they start to tell that physique and still don't want to eat because they're loving the look of their, their bodies because that's a whole other conversation. But there's just to answer your yeah. question, that there's plenty of times where we would all love to say everything that needs to be said, but then it's kind of catering to an individual instead of supporting a show. And as, as athletes that can sit in the audience, we stand a better chance of doing it than basically a judge, which would be truly unfair, or a promoter running over there and addressing one person while they're basically taking hold of a whole venue. That that, that would be, it would seem biased at, at best. Gotcha. Yes. John, any, yeah. any additional thoughts or add-ons to that? Yeah. You know, I, I just agree with Kalen, and uh, I, I like that about Kalen. He, uh, he, he cares, and I've seen him after prejudging or after a class go back and, and want to talk to somebody and, and help them out and give them that kind of thing that their coach should have told them. And, you know, I don't mind that. I like that about Kalen because he's taking it from the – he's doing it from, a, from the heart and from a caring position, and, and he's passionate about it, and it's pretty cool. So I, I agree with him, though, too, definitely. That's – you got to, you know – Boy, you got to know how to present your strengths and hide your weaknesses, and uh, a lot of people just don't do that well. Yeah, you're not even kidding. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are not. And so, just a just a little uh, sneak peek. We're going to have a uh, Midwest Muscle uh, interview coming up yet this week with uh, Misty Weatherford talking about posing this exact issue. Ooh. So not to hijack this show, but to let you know that's coming mm-hmm. out. So be watching for it. And uh, so we've talked about the categories. We've talked about our celebrity guest. Um, where can folks go to find more information and get registered for your show, John? So um, the website is HOA, which stands for the Heart of America, so HOANaturalClassic.com. And everything is on there from registration to hotel, uh, tickets, tanning, hair, makeup, uh, entry forms. It's, It's all there on the site. There's some pictures of the past show history going back all the way, gosh, probably at least 10 years or so worth of pictures on there of the winners and, and competitors. And then there's uh, information. We're having a fun after party. I I like to split my show up. I still like the glitz and glamour of the night show. I know a lot of people uh, like to do the straight through, run through. Uh, you know, you start at 9 or 10 and you're done by 2 and you're out of there. And I know some of the athletes like that. But I'm old school. I love the glitz and glamour of everybody coming back in the evening and dressed up a little bit nicer and the excitement that builds with an evening show. And I try to reward the athletes. Got a, a nice after party afterwards with free food and a DJ and 
hopefully people come eat and dance and get to talk to the judges at the after party. But, yeah, everything is uh, on the website, and we'll accepting entry forms until April 30th, which is just five, six days before the show, and uh, encourage people to sign up and commit early. And uh, there's a lot of shows to follow. So after after my show, there's an NGA show in Madison, Wisconsin, with Jack Halverson, the NGA USA Championships, and following that is Courtney Miles uh, in Davenport, Rumble on the River, NGA show. And so there's good opportunities to, you know, your polygraph's still going to be good if you do my show and, and you follow up and do uh, Jack and Courtney's show. So I uh, encourage everybody to, to make your commitment and choose the, some of these NGA shows for, for their spring contest. Awesome. Very good. So I go, hope you guys wrote all of that down and that you get registered and or share it with a, uh, a friend that you think should be in the show. Um, we're getting down to the last minutes of tonight, so a couple more questions that uh, we need to get in here. <laughs> I have to say, Kaylin is saying that I better not blow my diet at the after party. All I can say is if there's <laughs> cookies, I can make no promises. <laughs> okay. Our next question <laughs> is from Ben. As a promoter, how hard is it to read the bios of the transformation class? You know, um, they're all really heartwarming and touching and uh, only hard in the, in the respect that it's, they're so heartfelt that you, you want everybody to win the transformation class. I think it's really kind of hard that you, you pick one person who, who win because those, those people are all winners. So hard and it can be a little emotional uh, you you get your heartstrings tugged at when you read their stories, and so only in that respect that I wish every one of them was got a first place award in transformation. I know, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so in our last parting minutes here, any tips or thoughts that you want to share with folks who are thinking about getting registered for your show? You know, I would really love them to give us a chance. I I tell every competitor the best compliment you can give me is to tell your your friends and people at your gym and your family members about the heart of America because I pour my heart and soul into making it a special weekend for them. It's all about the athletes. I tell them, hey, this is the Academy Awards, and they just stepped out of the limo, and they're the star for the weekend, and everybody wants their picture taken and Everybody wants their autograph, and I, I want them to feel like they've just stepped out of a limo and they're about to walk on the red carpet. And we have really great awards that we give out. The stage is definitely done up right. Um, partnering with a, a light and sound company this year to make it a little extra special. The uh, the show runs on time. I am obsessive-compulsive yes, about starting on time. <laughs> if I say we start at 9 a.m., we start at 9 a.m., uh, we'll typically be done by 9.30 or 10 at night. Earl Snyder does a good job making sure that we're not still sitting there at midnight when there's three or four people left in the audience. And um, there's goodie bags, and there's a good photographer, and great sound system. There's uh, The awards will be really nice. There's Like I said, there's not a lot of people that do the after party. I, I think that's important to thank the athletes for their hard work to come out and, and then have a good time after the show. So, I just love for you to give it a try. I think, yeah, if, if you give it a try, I think you'll you'll want to come back, and uh, that's my commitment is to make it a show that you'll always want to mark on your calendar, and you'll see the way that you get treated, the, the respect that you deserve as an athlete. 
Awesome. And I think Sheldon has the uh, last word for tonight. He says, much respect for all that you've done, John, to keep the pros addressed. So definitely uh, lots of folks keeping eyes on your show. And uh, so as he said, a week before the competition, folks, you can still get registered. So if you think you're going to be ready, stage ready, or pretty darn close to being stage ready, jump in. You never know. It's always good to have a uh, a warm-up show to uh, make tweaks based off of uh, for the rest of the season. So the spring shows are definitely great for that. Kaylin, any last thoughts? Yes, yes, I do. Um, for the Heart of America, it's one of the biggest shows in the region. So if you're going to be going against true competition, this is one of the shows you would definitely want to consider because, like I said, because it's so well-known and it's so well-addressed, it, it's one of the shows that a lot of competitors come back to knowing that they're going to be scored correctly, judged correctly. I mean, there's always going to be somebody that complains and don't listen to them because basically they're just saying, because I didn't win, then there's something wrong with everyone else, not me. The, the, the true competitors are backstage. You'll see them. You'll feel them. You'll know them. And John does a great job of finding ways to make sure that they're all attended to in the correct way, in the correct fashion. I love the Duke's death, and I'll be the first one to say it, because he truly brought my heart into the heart of America by basically addressing the competitors like you do in all sports or should do in all sports. I've never seen any place else up until now, I mean, like back then, where I didn't see a competitor treated like an athlete. And that was just mind-blowing to me that athletes weren't being treated like athletes. They were treated like cattle until I got to John Abraham's show and saw people being treated as human beings. And I was just blown away by that. Thank you. And there you have it. And so with that being said, and there you have it. John, thanks so much for joining us tonight. And I will see you in a couple of months. Stop it. Yeah, thank thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. It means a lot to me. You guys are awesome. All right, get back to work. Start keeping those those, uh, registrations rolling in. (laughs) (laughs) Chop, chop. Good night. Wow, sounds like it's shaping up. And if I said it once, I'm going to say it again. I'm super pumped about Ernestine being there. I can't say it enough. You better not I send get me to meet pictures. the oldest female bodybuilder. Oh, I am sending you pictures. Selfies, close-ups, wide shots. I'm sending them. <laughs> <laughs> you can ex- I may even send some video. Uh, That's all I'm okay. saying. Yes. Okay, okay. This one's from, uh, this is going to be the last one. This one's from Amanda, and she says, didn't you guys have her uh, picture on your page, Midwest Muscle? And, yes, that's true. Wow, you guys are going back away. But, yes, we did have her featured on one of the things because of her work ethic and all she does. So, yes, yes. We, we're, we were aware of her, and we're very proud of what she's doing as a natural athlete. So, yeah, guys, you've done your homework. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you have. Man, that's exciting when uh, when you guys just show us that you're following along and uh, paying attention and that, you know, things that we post actually grab you or at least cause you to pause long enough to take a moment and be like, hey, what's this about? So awesome. Yeah. Kudos to you. Yeah. Kaylin, Snickerdoodle shout out. Snickerdoodle is better than chocolate wave. 
<laughs> no way. <laughs> Hashtag chocolate way for the win. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's not even a shout out. I don't know what I even think about that. <laughs> On behalf of myself, Kaylin, and the boys from P4P Muscle, your body is a temple, so let's build it. Thank you. <laughs>